Hockey Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the American Toffee Podcast. It is Saturday, May 30th at the time of recording. It's a beautiful day in Maine. I hope everyone is safe and well out there. I am, of course, am James, regular host. Alex was not able to make the show today. He had some personal stuff come up. So in his stead, we have a very exciting recurring guest for everyone. It's the return of none other than Ryan Williams. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Honored as usual to be here. Uh, coming from South Carolina, the south of the U.S., where everything Ooh. is completely open. And uh, But I can't complain because I got a short walk to the beach and got a pool in the backyard uh. and stuff. So other than the occasional alligator coming a little <laughs> too close to us, which is not a joke. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Family's well and everything and happy to be here. Yeah, Ryan sent me a picture uh, on Twitter. Literally like t- six or seven feet away from a what looked to be a massive alligator. I know they vary in size, but they do terrifying. Not something I've ever really had to worry about being in Maine. The worst we get is like maybe a snapping turtle in a lake or something. Like that. Yeah, they're supposed to not be able to get up the bank. Well, I can tell you based yeah. on that picture, that would be incorrect. So, uh, yeah, they do get a lot bigger than that. But man, yeah, you look at that tail. It's like, really? <sighs> so, uh, a lot of the, uh, some of our Liverpool brethren uh, from across the pond were like, dude, that's mental. That's, you know, yeah. you just don't, I mean, where is that? Where do you see that? You know, they're probably Australian dudes being like, whatever. We get like 20 foot crocs coming out of the ocean, man. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, we, we had that conversation, uh, had the conversation yesterday talking with the guys from the bobblers and about them yep. coming over to the U S and, yep. uh, regional differences and talking about winters in Maine, how they're absolutely brutal, but I'll take a cold winter over the fear of gators 10 times out of 10, <laughs> uh, 10 times out of 10, every single time. They do affect your golf game. I, I would mind yeah. you were down here. I did never come up to a shot and said, yeah, nope, next hole. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened. No question. So, I, that, doesn't surprise me one bit, but not, let's not get into things. Let's get into that. Much safer environment. Let's talk. So we have a few things on the agenda today. We're going to start talking about, of course, the announcement that the Premier League is due to return on June 17th, just a few short weeks away. We will then touch on the shocking and unfortunate injury to Jean-Philippe Gabamin in training during the week. Jump into some right back talk after that. John Joe Kenny and Jabril Sidibe on the cards. And then lastly, talk about a couple of potential transfers, which is obviously still very much up in the air. But Starting things off, something that's not up in the air. EPL due to return June 17th. Brian, what is your initial reaction to this news? Because it's been dragged on, been pushed back, and now here we are with an actual concrete start date. Well, we've talked about this in the past, too, where we try and give kind of the American perspective on it. I mean, you can listen to the Bobblers and other people talk about it, uh, which is great, by the way, because I love their environment, kind of pub-like. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to kind of understand the the – the resistance to it other than look, you've been to Goodison. We've been to games. You know, I've been to several international matches overseas and it's not the same without the fans. We all know that, but I, I, re- I really didn't quite understand. I'm like, why are people concerned though about the safety aspect of it? And then I started thinking about it a little bit more and, and, and some guys made some really good points on Twitter that helped me understand it, which was nice to have real dialogue, you know, because yeah, God knows we Rare. lack that. Yeah, Rare. really. 
but it was great. You know, I mean, it just shows you kind of Everton and the fan base and the family of aspect of it. It was cool, though. I mean, I, a couple of the major points that I didn't quite get was, look, a lot of people still have to administratively put stuff on on game day. I mean, it's not like the states here. We just jump in our cars and go down the interstate and away we go. You know, they're more heavily reliant on uh, public transportation. I mean, you know, you've been to Goodison, you know um, yeah. Any one of those stadiums, that's just natural. So that's a factor. Um, so many other factors as well, uh, too. Um, but, you know, you can't ignore that the aspect of that football is nothing without the fans. So I get that people wouldn't watch. But for us, you know, we're not there every day like like we've talked about in the past. So. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's good. I feel bad for people that feel so passionate because that rhythm of going to Goodison every day. It's just like us growing up going to sports, too. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. We went to the Steelers game every Sunday. It was a rhythm thing. I used to go to the Pirate games constantly. We'd see Sticks to Penguins, the same type of thing. And you miss that. And so I get how that would feel seeing that on TV, yet not being there. It's like, I mean, it's got to be frustrating confusion. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, what, what's your, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm happy about it, but I feel for some of them. So I guess I get it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, 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 football to people in England is more or less very much like a religion and you all of a sudden have that routine and that source of joy, not even taken away from you because the games will still be available to be watched, but altered dramatically to the point where it, it you may feel it barely resembles what you are accustomed to. And that is, of course, people are change averse. And I agree. We'll, we'll say it a hundred times probably before the episodes out. Football is nothing without the fans. When the Bundesliga first returned and I watched the first week, I was pretty underwhelmed just because it felt very flat. And maybe that's just because of the atmosphere being removed. And, and it felt like that took away from some of the maybe intensity of the game itself. And I understand going coming for, to it from that perspective where you feel like the games won't be nearly as intense. The entertainment value won't be as high, but also like from our perspective as Americans where we're watching it on TV every single week, regardless, it's not as much of a dramatic shift for us. So I think we have a easier time accepting it than maybe people who are going to the match. Every week. I am excited for the Premier League to return after watching the Bundesliga for the last couple of weeks now. And I think the third week since it's returned, I've come around on it a little bit. I think I think maybe I had a bit of a knee jerk reaction just to the how different it was at first, but now it's 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 better than nothing. And I think at that at this point, people are desperate for something to watch. This provides that. I'm looking forward to seeing Everton. Um, but I think the unspoken thing that maybe a lot of people deep down don't want to admit, and I will admit, is that deep down, you know, we have all these this crisis going on in the world, but deep down, you just don't want Liverpool to be able to win the league. And <laughs> Yeah, I hate to be the one to like point it out, but like I think more than anything else, no one wants to see Liverpool win the league except Liverpool fans. And so we'd all just as soon and furthermore, we'd we'd love to see the league taken away from them in heartbreaking fashion. Let's be real about it. And and I understand like within the context, Mm -hmm. within the context of like the overall state of the world, it may be it may seem petty and all of those things, but just isolating it down to what it is at its core. I think that plays a much bigger role than most people want to admit. They want to say that it's about people's health and all these things. And it is also about those, but it's also about hating Liverpool and not wanting to see them have any joy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, we just need to be honest about it. I mean, I, I, I am absolutely petty about it. It drives me crazy. So here's, a, okay, here's an American perspective that not a lot of people understand. So you know what it's like, man. You go out there. So, so first of all, giving a little historical perspective. When I was a kid, no one wore soccer kits anymore. You didn't see soccer jerseys. It wasn't even on TV, man. 
I mean, not at all. And I'm probably a relatively old American soccer fan. I mean, I was going, watching the U.S. national team late 80s, you know, early 90s when they were on. I, I went to games. Hell, I went to the 2002 World Cup and the 2006 World Cup to follow the U.S. So um, I, I know kind of the history of it. It drives me crazy to see so much Liverpool, so many Liverpool fans in America because I'm like, do you not know anything about the club? And it would be shocking to me that anyone that grew up at least like I did, and I think people don't realize in America how much more of kind of a, it's not that different than other places. It, there is still a family kind of environment for the vast majority of people that live in America. Uh, and God, I just think Everton resound, you know, resonates as a, as a value-oriented club, much more for so many people. I, I just, when I talk to these people, I'm just like, do you even know anything about this club? But my, you know, forgetting about the pettiness in a way, um, you know, if we can. As hard as it is. We can, it is hard. Um, you know, it, it is not the same without the crowd, even on the TV, man. I mean, you know, just the rejoicing yeah. reactions. And, and you know, I watched some of the, the Serie A matches before during the shutdown and stuff. It's not the same. I get it. But you know, I still think, God, it's a tough thing to say, too. I still think it's better to decide the games directly, even without fans, than it is to use like a, a, a point per game thing. This is a really tough right. call because it's all crap. I mean, none of them are ideal. But to me, yes, the home field advantage is massive. But I think the weight of the schedule, a team like Everton's, you know, has a couple much easier games downstream um, to not play against those teams that are not as good. I think I think that's better than stopping it, ignoring any public impact and risk, because there is some. But I think a lot of that opinion was truly because I didn't quite appreciate for what kind of level of public risk it is. And I really do appreciate our, our Evertonian brethren for kind of yes. helping see that a little bit. So I get it. I mean, I, I, it's complicated. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I have to admit, I love watching them. So and that's a little bit of its own rhythm, too. But, yeah, it's much less disruptive for us because our rhythm is to watch on TV other than when we fly over, which I, I have a feeling is going to be an annual pilgrimage at this point. Yeah, we're, we're all we're too far gone, man. Couldn't get couldn't get enough. So I I agree. It's going to become a much more regular thing. And uh, like you said, it, there's no really perfect alternative right now. And so you just I if you go with points per game, it there's there's pros and cons to every single thing. I agree. Yep. Just play the games, get it done. And let's. Just move on to next season. As we yep. do as Evertonians, yep. we just get through. We yep. finish mid-table, and we hope that we can finally break <laughs> through in the that. next season. Well, look, <laughs> yeah, but, but look, JPG is backed. Our midfield's going to be solidified. Stop, Brian. six that we wanted that I've been talking about since even before he signed and thought he was a perfect signing by Brandon. This, this is like the most depressing and yet somehow so predictable thing to happen to us as yeah. a fan base. Summer signing in our most crucial position, Jean-Philippe Gubamin comes in. All of this hype really seems to fit the profile of replacement that we need to replace Idris Gay, and he gets rushed into the team a little bit at the start of the season. Tears his squad, fights back, had a couple major setbacks, who knows how many minor setbacks that we'll never know about, nearing match fitness, goes on record in the media that he is hoping to return to ma match yep. fitness and play during this resumed season. Next thing you know, playing a casual game of soccer tennis with none other than Andre Gomez, who has returned from a very long-term serious injury. And guess what? I don't know the extent of it, but it's a serious no-contact Achilles injury, and it looks to be about six more months on the sideline for JPG. You have to first and foremost feel for the player himself, 
you, you know that rehab and coming back from injury is one of the toughest things that a player has to do. They don't feel connected to the team. They feel kind of outcast on the sidelines. And to, he must have been so excited to finally be able to make an impact to the squad. And now he's looking at a much longer and perhaps more severe for his long-term career prospects injury. Yeah, I mean, the good part is he's at least moved a couple different you know, different clubs and started out in France, gone to Germany. So I guess it's not totally absurd for him to change and live somewhere else, but right. oh, it's, it's just killer for him. And I mean, for us watching, you know, I'm thinking I, this is why I said a long time ago when brands took over, um, especially because of financial fair play, we can't just go buy our way out of this in one single season. It's just going to take time and injuries happen. But yeah, a new, a new, we bought a bunch of central midfielders too in the off season, but, but even then, you know, you're like, yeah, I don't still don't know if it's enough. Um, yeah, it's a killer. I mean, I don't see any way around it. I mean, we really need at least two more going forward. I mean, an Achilles injury, a quad injury is bad. I mean, it's more like an American. These are like more American football injuries, man. What is really? Going on? Honestly, I mean, he's kind of built like a linebacker. I don't know if you ever, I mean, he's six one, maybe even six two. And he, I'll tell you what, the thing that really frustrates me is, well, first of all, some people are like upset with brands like he could have possibly foreseen. He doesn't have significant injury history. Oh, it's so frustrating. But the thing is, I think Goodison would love this guy. I mean, first of all, he never goes to ground because he doesn't freaking have to. That dude goes shoulder to shoulder with people. He blows people up. The first time he would put someone in the first or second row, and he absolutely would. And he seems like a very nice, soft-spoken guy, but on the field, he is tough. People would lose their minds with him. They'd love him. He'd be perfect for what we are. He would sit back, protect back for his distribution was good. He he really was. He's Morgan Schneider, Lynn-ish, functionally, except for a much better athlete, which is what you really need. And now you're asking questions like, God, you know, how do we set up going forward? And there's just so many combinations. Um, the good part is, at least, uh, it, it, Carlo probably had not been setting up the team to deal with him anyway. You know right. what I mean? But people got to realize, going back to brands, th this was a four or five year project. It always was. It always was going to be. Uh, even this summer, I mean, think about this. To plug, say we go four four two going forward and don't change into a diamond. I mean, who do we have that you look back and say, mm, I feel really good about those two roles? Some people say Gomsch. I don't feel that way. I mean, I like him. I, I think he brings a lot of good things to the table. But in an isolated two man midfield, uh, Andre's fine in a three, but. Yeah, you start to ask I question. You're like, is he, is, I mean, he's not that rangy. Um, he's actually a pretty decent high pressing kind of midfielder, and he's good with possession. He's good at transition front to back, but he's not. Uh, he's much better when he has the freedom to go by people and do things. And and I just, uh, it's gonna be him and Delph pretty much. Or do you put Fabian Delph and Morgan Schneiderlin in and play kind of like two defensive mids? I just, we need more guys. I mean, we we just need strength in that position in a four four two. Those guys are so important. And you look at Carlos center mids that he's had over history i mean are you, are you kidding i mean it's unbelievable so uh you know it, although the funniest part about it is so we get linked with um with wendell who's um yes center mid at uh sporting it's sporting club of portugal too not sporting uh club of lisbon by the way i don't know if you've seen that twitter account it's very but anyway yeah. uh yes you can't say that um he's He's not quite, he doesn't quite as much have as much bite in defense as, as some of the other guys that we've been linked with, like an Ibrahim Sangare, who, um, is more of a defensive mid that's kind of evolving in his offensive game. Wendell's a wonderful ball mover, though. His, his passing is unbelievable. He's, he's everywhere. Like when you watch sporting play, and I recently switched to Fubo TV because literally the only league that I could not watch 
except for through Y Scout was was the Portuguese league. That that's how pathetic my soccer watching life is. Um, I'd say that's how amazing it is. Well, you're only (laughs) the final card or whatever feather in your cap right there. Yeah, I mean, there's some leagues now where I'm missing right now, and I'm kind of frustrated about it. But uh, yeah, so I was watching. I mean, I've watched a lot of that recently because they're replaying all the matches. And it's funny to see Young Velocity at Sporting too. But oh man, um, yeah. Wendell's the type of guy where, you know, the, he'll switch it all the way over from right to the left. Velassi will, you know, do a couple step overs, maybe beat someone and kick the ball backwards. And you're like, who the heck's that to? Thinking it's the left back. Nope. There's Wendell again. So, um, he's really rangy and he really moves the ball well. He kind of, he's more of like a deep line player. Um, but he's not, you know, it's not necessarily a pure combative defensive mid two. So it's going to take a lot. I mean, it's just how it is. And then of course, what happens to him? Apparently yesterday, I, he did something with his MCL, I think. So <laughs> it's like, get linked to Everton and look out, you're going down yeah. or, you know, something's going wrong with you or, I mean, what the heck, man? Are you kidding? The, the Lord puts a target on your back the instant you're linked with Everton and you're just walking into the fire or whatever, whatever turn of phrase you want to use. But yeah, it just it, it, circling back to like JPG, like even when he does come back, which right now it would be like December, maybe potentially like at the earliest is he going to be the same player that we signed and i still think i agree with you like talking I mean, about the 442 and like you can't have, right? yeah it's just it's t- considered for the most part i, I my understanding was like a nine month injury i've seen reported that yeah. he's six months minimum um but you know that that's a long rehab and it's a, a very especially under no contact like just devastating but i agree with you like in a two-man midfield central midfield andre gomez is going to oftentimes be exposed on the defensive side of the ball and yeah. he needs someone that can cover for him. And that's why Ghana gay was such a good compliment and why we, we had this gaping hole all season talking about how weak our mid depth in midfield is. And we're waiting for him to come back. And just when he gets close, another setback. And now it's just, we almost have to just move forward planning without him, assuming that he won't be the same player. And if he is, and he does come back and is able to make an impact, it's, it's almost like an added bonus. Um, and so it, it, for, to some extent, I'm sure Marcel Brands has his head in his hands, like wondering, what do I have to do to start moving this team in the right direction? And, and Wendell's an interesting one. And, and I hope that we're able to conduct a lot of business. We've been avoiding talking about transfer rumors on the show too, too much, just because with yep. Corona going on, like, I don't, I don't trust the media reports for transfers almost no. all the time, generally speaking. No, are you saying they don't, they make up stuff? No. I thought Everton You're, from, uh, you know, Brazil was our, I thought he was playing left wing already by us. I thought that was done. I thought we're signing every player from Syria that Carlo has ever played against because he loves them so much. Like, and so like, even under normal times, I don't trust the media now with Corona and like, they haven't had anything to talk about for months. I almost just want to like tear up every single rumor that I see, but there oh. have been some that seem to have a little bit of credibility And Wendell. Like you said, I mean, from the, from the way you've described him seems like the type of player that would fit very neatly into a four, four, two formation, which from yeah. everything we know so far is the plan going forward. Yeah. I mean, immediately you got to do your little checklist. You know, I do those, I used to do these columns, haven't done one in a while, the transfer analysis analysis, uh, where, and granted it makes sense because the website that I, I use, but I haven't really gone crazy with this soccer analysis analysis. It's more of kind of a humorous thing. But anyway, the point is <laughs> with Everton, I mean, it's like a media checklist. It's like, okay, position of need. So when you hear that we're linked to someone who's a left-sided player that cuts inside on their right, and that's 100% of their game, you could just look at that and say, no. We've got like 28 people like that. So no. Um, and then when you look at someone and find out they're like 30 years old, 
you know, and have no particular linkage with anyone and don't even, you're like, no, no, Brands is not going to do that. Um, I, I can see him maybe bringing in a, a senior player or two if Carlo believes we need leadership. But yeah, you got to filter those things out, man. Half of these things are utterly absurd. Um, and it's good to have dialogue. But yeah, I mean, how can you possibly feel very confident about signings when we have no idea where we're going to be financially and what it looks like? Now, what we've heard from the FA, and and again, I, I, our concern is more Premier League financial fair play rules, regulations, is that in theory, I, I think what they said up front was that we're not going to dock anyone for lack of revenue due to, due to COVID. Um, but let, let's remember what that means. That does not mean we're disposing of financial fair play and it's free for all. No, no. All that's simply saying is that from what I understood and what I've heard, and you know, I've got a bit of a business background, so I'm not a complete moron in, in this language that it is, is that, look, you could spend kind of up to what your revenues were. I think you could demonstrate what that looks like from a trend analysis and whatnot. And they're going to review deals like our buy the rights to have the sponsorship type agreement <laughs> deal. Which, <laughs> I don't know how that's, they're going to find out with the market value of that one. That one's a little tricky. There aren't many examples of that, you know, comps which you would go right. to probably to get a fair valuation. That's one way to do valuation. But um, yeah, anyway, without going into tremendous detail that, yeah, it's hard. You don't know what that looks like. So even if projected wise, we're allowed to spend up to the revenue we would have made and Moshiri is not afraid to throw his money down again. Um, even then, you know, we still have to have to sell some. Um, and, you know, I, I know a little bit about some of the dialogue behind the scenes going with trying to sell some of the players. Um, but you know, we can't take a book loss on any of these guys either. And that's a really important factor just for regulation's sake. So uh, it's uncertain, man. We don't know. Uh, so it's okay to talk about targets, but we've got to be realistic. We're not going to – I can't imagine a scenario where we just have this $100 million. That being said, there are going to be opportunities, it sounds like. But, man, there's just too much up in the air. But at least Wendell sounds – you know, what is he, 22, I think? He yep. sounds functionally, right, James, like someone that – oh. Yeah. Okay. I could see that being a legitimate, you know, topic and of conversation that at least would make some functional sense rather right. than like, I mean, cool Bali. You, I mean, you, come on. And the echo had a bunch <laughs> in today, like yesterday saying, let's review the latest ones. Tecatito is the one that's unbelievable. Uh, Corona, the right back for Porto. I don't know if you know yeah. Liga MX, but I mean, that's kind of my focus, right? But his nickname Tecatito, which is great to say. Very fun. Um, that's a great nickname. And it's great, right? He is in absolutely no way, shape, or form going to play it right back. Right? There's no way, especially not for some of the ridiculous values. He's already wickedly inconsistent, super talented. I mean, I, no, it's stuff like that you just listen to. Be like, really, man? Like, you can't even come up with something more. Come on. It's like 27. No, not going to happen. Um, but yeah, but that's what? another position, right? Right back. What are we going to do with our right back? Let's talk. Let's talk right backs, Ryan. Let's talk yeah. Jabril Sidibe first, and then we can talk about our loney John Joe Kenny, homegrown player. But so the rumor on the street is that Monaco are re they want to get rid of Sidibe, and so they're willing to lower their asking price, which I believe was rumored to be in the realm of fifteen million down. I don't know how much they're willing to drop to get rid of him, but essentially they want to encourage us, push us in the right direction to make the signing permanent. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, Sidibe was one when he first came into the team. I saw that he could bring a, a decent amount of value. He offers something different to Seamus Coleman, where a little more offensive minded. And actually, I thought early on in the season, his defensive ability was pretty solid. But as the season wore on, I think his discipline and positioning started to get exposed a little bit more. And he had some absolutely shocking games. I mean, the last match we were at against Chelsea, holy crap, that was an absolute nightmare. He was atrocious 
the Merseyside Derby, he was also atrocious. Oh, so bad. So is he one that is really worth even at 10, 11 million? Is he one that we really see as like a competent for the next three years, someone we want to see regularly week in, week out on the right hand side? Uh, James, I'll take that one for a thousand, please. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> Uh, no, I, not to be totally brutal on him. I think he's done a better job than I actually thought he would do. He was the one signing that, and he's not signing, he's a loney, but, um, he was the one move that I know brands felt like he had to have a right back. John Joe wants to play. That's one thing that people got to remember. John Joe wants to play. He does not want to ride the bench as much as we may think he'd be a good backup option. Um, so I remember when brands, we were linked to him. I was thinking, oh, it's a bad idea. Um, he's just so risky on defense and, uh, he, 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 Pulled a lot of it off, especially earlier in the year. You know, some is 1v1 defense, which I was just terrified about uh, as aggressive and how much risk he took. He did pretty well this year, I have to admit. I mean, he won a ton of balls for us. Uh, we know he can serve a ball. His passing has always been mm. pretty good. Um, he, he just looks a little more labored. I, people forget when he was younger. I mean, he was really debatably the best young right back in the world. No joke. I mean, he was pushing the French national team. I mean, he really looked a lot more fluid than he does now. Um but yeah, over time, yeah, you saw more of what, what, what I saw, at least when I looked into him before he came over, uh, positionally. He's, he's just not, you know, he's not concentrating all the time. He's not, I don't think he's what we need. Um, so how low would that be where it made sense to us? Is that something we can kind of push off for another year? I, I don't see any sense in investing the money in him, even if it's low. Uh, his salary probably will not be small. But that being said, you know, Schalke has already claimed poverty stricken and they're, they're not going to be afford, yeah. able to afford John Joe, which, you know, you don't know how reality that is, how real it is. It'd be very interesting, frankly, to see if David Wagner is even there after this year, mm. really going down the tubes a little bit. But it's funny. I, I, a lot of people now have come out since they've been watching the Bundesliga and determined that John Joe's not, not good enough. Now, if you remember, I've said that all along. Uh, not that I, I and you got to root for the guy, right? He's such a hard of worker. Course. He has such heart. He has such courage. Uh, he has some quality on the ball. You know, when he's got it under control, he can serve a ball at the pace. He is, he's tough, man. But you know, I said from the get go up, remember all the reports in the papers about how amazing he was and he's Shaka's loving him and he's into, yeah. can't lose him and all things like that. I mean, I'm watching, I'm thinking, eh, he, he's good. Um, but if you notice too, Shaka started going really downhill before the break and they switched to right. a, to a five, four, one. Uh, which is good. I mean, John Joe is a wing back, someone who, who can really just get up and down the pitch with the, a little less defensive responsibility, uh, really use his work rate and press. He can definitely do that well. That, that's a good mix for him, but people got to understand, man, like his first touch is not the greatest. We know he's not a physical specimen. You know, he can get pushed around a little bit. And in England, that's, it's really important in those wide positions to have pace, have, have pace and power and strength and get up and down, which he does. But the bottom line is people got to also cut him a little bit of a break, man. Schalke is not playing well, and it's not necessarily him. Um, him in that role right. is a smart role for him to be in. But look, you've had finally Kabak's back. They were stubborn because their goalie, Newble, decided that he was going to go to Bayern and wouldn't sign a no deal, so they wouldn't play him. Um, and, and then Salif Sané just kind of came back in the, into the team. And then you've just had injuries to your two best central midfielders. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Hari play there, but he is dynamic, man. He is, yeah. he has these matches sometimes as an attacking mid where he's completely dominant. Uh, he's a lovely player. He's out. Um, Sardar's out. So, I mean, it's also when I see American people bagging on Weston McKinney. I'm like, dude, cut him a break. You know what <laughs> I mean? 
I mean, uh, it's so, like, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats and a lowering tide lowers all boats. And no the question. Converse of that, right? So, you know, when Everton's not playing well, the whole team sucks. And then we get two wins and all of a sudden everyone's world class again. It's just kind of the nature of, of fan reaction. But I do agree, like, Schalke are in dire form. And so to pin it all on John Joe Kenny, like, he's not terrible, but, I mean, he's not the sole source of their woes at the moment. Yeah, so the bottom line is, you know, I could see this... I hope this isn't the case, and I hope we have enough financial adaptability that we just don't go with John Joe. Because I just, I really don't think he's good enough. Uh, Brands probably agrees, or else why would you let him go out on loan? Um, mm-hmm. So my guess is we, we do find a buyer for him, but again, that's another hole. So I mean, how many holes can you, this is why this is a longer term project. Um, it is funny though, now that people are watching uh, the Bundesliga, people are seeing a little bit kind of what I think a lot of people saw. John Joe's game is a little easier to kind of watch and predict, though. You know what I mean? He's kind of right. always the same, the same guy and very likable guy. But then you see another position where we were linked with with Tadebo, and you saw him play a bit today. And lots of people on Twitter were giving him kind of stick for overhandling the ball and things like that. And and that's another one where you're like, okay, but he just came back into the side. They're playing in a back three. That's a little bit odd. Um, you know, there's We're not going to find the perfect guy in every scenario. And here's a kid that's, what, 21 years old, incredibly talented. You can see the qualities that he has on the ball. But, he, you know, he started out as more of a defensive mid. He just ended up being 6'3". You know what I mean? <laughs> You see right. the athleticism, you see the qualities on the ball, and then you see him try and make a couple moves, lose the ball, and of course he's in the back of the net today. So uh, people got to be a little bit realistic about the fact that Brands is going to take the shots on some younger players and plug them in and hope they develop a little bit. He has a little bit longer time frame. Um, but look, we need a left-sided center back too, and there have been some mentions. Right. So I understand. I really think Tadebo has an incredibly high ceiling. But please don't watch him and expect to see this perfectly polished kid. He's 21 years old, but the talent is there. I mean, when the ball goes by and he has to recover, I mean, he is bullet at his size. Um, his feet are decent. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the attraction to him. Maybe it's one of those things where we got linked so often to Gabriel and then you went back and saw highlights of him and, and you realize he, he's just a little bit more of a mature player. You know what I mean? That that's probably yeah. a little capable of dealing with immediately from day one the rigors of of the premier league so maybe that's why people were given to debo that much stick but people got to remember man in one match like no one when they do scouting ever goes and just watches a guy once you know that's just not that doesn't doesn't happen so sometimes you gotta and also understand tactically what's going on you can't give john joe crap for letting a buy go guy go by him if they're playing a back three and he's a wingback you know what i mean things like that you guys well, yes yeah, right so, so that's a consideration, but I mean, I don't know. I kind of get the vibe that people are like, oh man, we, we need Gabriel or we don't need to Debo. It's if it's a $5 million difference, what's the holdup? Well, first of all, it's probably not a $5 million difference. So that's probably number one, but you know, we, we do have a whole game mean a partnership. It's not the worst partnership in the world right now. If you're thinking about things longer term and Michael Teen's not the worst player in the world. So in limited resources, Maybe that's not the best move if you know a guy doesn't have to play tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I, that's a really good point. Like, again, with the JPG injury, now the clocks continues to tick on Seamus Coleman. We have two potential options that sounds like no one is super thrilled about. That's and becomes another gaping hole. We've got the mm-hmm. midfield issues. We've got potentially issues up front. Maybe need a right winger. But again, that's starting to sound more like a 
uh, wish list type of situation rather than an, than an immediate need. And I, I agree. It's like the only concrete or, or I guess rumor with any legs have been the center back rumors. And now it's like, we probably have to go back to the drawing board as far as our priorities in this transfer window. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I, I do like Tadebo again, you know, too young to really like draw massive conclusions from any individual performance, but Barcelona doesn't sign duds. I mean, they miss on transfers regularly, but you know, there's a, there's a pretty high bar there to say the least. So it's not like I mean, we take Luka Dean, arguably probably I'd say are comfortably our second best player. Um, he's up there. and yeah. And so, you know, I'll take Barcelona quote unquote cast offs all day long. He seems in at the, in the age range he's at, it's yeah, exactly fits. He fits Brands's strategy. So it yep. seems likely, but again, like <laughs> this is what happens with transfer rumors. It's like, well, I mean, I'd, I'd rather sign, get more depth in center midfield and stick with the whole gate Mina partnership because they're both also still very young and have plenty of time to develop. So do we really need four center backs that need time to develop and play when you can only play two at a time? It's a great, quite a great point. And that's a challenge brands has, but I mean, he's also looking at growth. You know, people got to recognize that if, if you know, you went into a situation, he said this a million times that, you know, he, he's not the guy you bring in to win tomorrow. And he's right because you can't spend your way out of this in the Premier League. It doesn't work that way. It's going to take some time and effort. And if you've got to buy a guy a little bit cheaper when he's a little bit younger and still developmentally, you know, not quite there, but, but over time it would work. That's fine. And Carlo, by the way, is a guy who's been willing to play young people. There's a lot of mythology around Carlo that I don't think is very accurate. That being said, you know, we've had a couple older links too. You know what I mean? There's the, first of all, the most predictable link was always going to be Thiago Silva. That was the most predictable oh. thing of all time. I mean, Carlo My signed God. him. First of all, Carlo didn't sign him twice. That, that's another total myth. I mean, Carlo, <laughs> Carlo obviously is an easy guy to recruit for, right? People love him. But I mean, he has worked for some of the most repressive sporting directors and crazy presidents of clubs ever. You know what I mean? Dorantino Perez. Um, you know, Napoli. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, what a situation. What a crazy situation. Even at Bayern, you know, he had a tough. I mean, one of his best friends basically bought guys over his head and fired him at PSG. I mean, you know, he's had a lot of interest. Berlusconi at, at, you know, all sorts of different places. So, so the point is he does pretty well in that situation. But so, I mean, Silva does kind of make sense. So I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, left footer, a really good with the ball, a really good ball playing yes. guy. He definitely, definitely lost a step. But I mean, if you want more seniority or experience and, you know, he is a Brazilian guy, he speaks a couple different languages and he clearly, Loves playing with Carlo since Carlo brought him into different places. So I get that. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe if you can't, like, if you don't want to sell Keen or there's not a market for him or something, Michael Keen we're talking about, not Moise. Sure. I'm not entertaining that conversation, by the way. Absolutely not. Moise going nowhere. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I could see that too. You know, if you save kind of on the transfer fee and bring him in, shorter term contract, yeah, he's going to make big salary, of course, come from PSG, but. As more of a solidifying force, as long as he's cool with not necessarily playing every game. He's left footed. He's, I think, left footed. He's a real good ball player. So that makes sense. Um, I don't think gone a guy makes sense though. I, I, I don't, that's the one. What do you mean? We're not going to bring him back? Look, I love the guy. I loved him. I always stuck up for him. People would literally bag on him and saying he was an expansive offensive player. I'm like, yeah, but literally everything else he's amazing at. I, this idea uh, that just because some random dude on Twitter decided that he's on the block for PSG. Really? Oh, yeah. Is that the case? Last time I looked when they were in the Champions League and they're two, you know, home and homes, who played 90 minutes both times? 
So, okay. Cause guess what? They're going to win the league. So I, right. I, that can, I mean, so come on, man, in the, in the most important moments of you, you're going to play your best players. Well, he's one of them. So and that it was so it was so far out of left field that rumor because sense. like we said everything that I've seen and heard about his performance at PSG has been raving positive he's been excellent world yeah. class and it, yeah. and it corroborates it connects with everything we saw from him at Everton we know yeah. what he's excellent at and it was exactly what PSG needed so all of a sudden yeah. a year later they're willing to just okay see ya. That just yeah, makes it just makes no sense. What has changed? It makes He's no the same sense. guy you bought. I mean, literally exactly the same guy. If not anything, he kind of exceeded your expectations. So why would anyone really believe? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they really are like, eh, you know. But I don't see that at all. You knew what you were getting. I mean, this guy is a very unique player. We all know what he is. He is a ball-winning freaking machine. And he's good in possession, too. I hate when people say he gives the ball away. No, he doesn't. Stop that stuff. He's just surrounded by some guys that can really make plays better. So he was always the type of player that could play at a higher level too in a team that didn't didn't need him to be necessarily creative. Not that he's a exactly. total skip with the ball either. Um, but oh my God, his range, all those things that we saw that made him so great. PSG has gotten exactly what they bought. So I, I find it very, it's one thing to buy someone where you know they're not doing well. Like I get some of the Napoli links. Like I understand yes. why. Someone would say Chucky Lozano because brands brought him in before PSV and, and, and he's been like, I think it was, I saw one of the magazines in Italy did like a Syria, like set, you know, worst 11, like biggest flops in the league. And, and Chucky was in there. So that being said, Chucky's more of a left sided player, by the way. I, I, right. people, people, I know he's played on the right, but I don't think he's a good fit, but I at least understand the link. You know, I get it. I'm like, yeah, yes. he hasn't worked out. He hasn't quite been the player they thought they were getting. And let's be honest, the commercial opportunities of Chucky in America would be insane. Oh my people God. do not realize. Oh my God. I mean, people do like, I always say this. I think it was the last world cup where they had a big Pepsi commercial and it was like messy. Um, was it? Yeah, Mo Salah, that just that irritates me, whatever. Uh, and Chucky, <laughs> right. And Chucky Lozano. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean he's like he's the, the face of the player. Mexican national team. Oh, dude, of course. He's, he's probably the most popular soccer player in North America. I mean, with, you know, Messi and Ralph, debatably. So I, sure. I get some of that stuff, but like yeah, the Ghanist, I'm sorry. I just find the Ghana stuff hard to believe. Maybe, maybe it didn't deserve me going off for three minutes just now, on, but it just seems crazy <laughs> to me, man. What is going I, on? No, I'm right. Th I'm right there with you, Ryan, to be honest. And actually, you know, touching on Chucky Lozano and we're, we're going to wrap up here soon, but yeah. I, I do think Everton needs one of those type of like, would he be a good fit on the field? Probably. And we need to, obviously that needs to be the first and foremost consideration, but I think we need one of those like, global profile boosting type of signings that would get us access into different markets. And I think like my, my pipe dream was always that we would somehow finagle a way to get Christian Pulisic into the yeah. team because he fits like right winger type can play obviously all across the front would have been a yep. blockbuster merchandise, everything missed on him. But like, there's other opportunities to do those sorts of things. Weston McKenney, you know, people are potentially talking about that. I don't know how, how many, well, how much legs that what, rumor has. I don't know if you saw two Everton with two links to American youth clubs over here. Yes, I, yes. One is not Columbus MLS, which I thought it was. It's a tiny club in Columbus called Columbus United. I don't know what's yeah. going on there, but I have always said, I've always said the way to access, there's so much talent in America. People do not realize it's not well developed and we miss people because there frankly aren't enough clubs. There's certainly not enough coaches. Don't tell that to an American coach, too. It's unbelievable how arrogant we are over here about it. But, it but, but seriously, the best way to invest is kind of like what Rangers is doing with Orange County is, is to import your coaches here. 
And it sounds yes. like that's kind of the co-op setup that they're doing. I don't know if you knew this too. Everton used to have a relationship with my hometown, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. It wasn't like a oh, massive co-op. Yeah, it's true. The Riverhounds have one with Schalke now, which is just like everything's good. It's so weird. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, but what I think is interesting is it's a shame that with such a great American pedigree that we can't kind of use that when you have great ambassadors like Timmy Howard and even Landon Donovan, who still speaks very highly of Everton. And, yes. You know, my, my favorite players of all time, Precky and Joe Max Moore is another reason, one of the biggest yep. reasons why I got it. Um, yeah. It is a shame that we can't translate that into um, it's one thing to have more of a marketing presence, but people don't realize this. I mean, Americans are one of the reasons why you see so many great Americans like Gio Reina, who, you know, at Dortmund is starting and playing a lot at age 17. Now, Granted, his dad was a fabulous player, and this kid's a freaking athlete. I get it. But, but you know what I mean? Like, sure. there's so many great young players playing in Germany for a reason. They came over for free, man, because the work right. permit laws are, are open. So I, I don't know. We've talked, I've talked about this a lot internally with some of, some of the firms that I work with and about what that's going to look like with Brexit and the UK. But, um, man, right. if it's loosened at all and work permits are possible, dear Lord, Everton needs to take advantage of that. Just bring a couple coaches over here. Work with, I think, a bigger type of club. Try and access the talent here and make a play within America. I mean, all it takes is one decent kid coming over at age 18. That has worked in kind of a system with excellent coaches for the couple years prior. There are some of that in America, just not enough. But if you bring people over here and work with the club, you can ensure that happens. And then, look, all it takes is one kid for free. Pays for everything that's a decent player. You know, I I just – um. I would love to have that big marquee signing. I don't know. You know, you look at kind of the American, you know, the younger Americans are all coming and emerging now. You'll see it differently yes. in a couple of years. But um, yeah, I want that player too, man. But I just don't know where they're going to come from unless we're going to go scoop Tyler Adams for God knows how much money from Red Bull. <laughs> Red Bull and put He's him in defensive end. Yeah. Oh, he would just terrorize people in the EPL. But I mean, you know, we're, we're no, still, I, we're not there yet, man. I think you're, you're, uh, the I for, the Everton International Academy affiliate program that is the acronym E I I E I A A P quite a mouthful but I think that that is a really positive step in the right direction as far as Everton and their relationship with American clubs and obviously this just appears to be like the pilot after the original pilot which they ran in Australia but. Should that expand and become more comprehensive? I mean, it's only a matter of time before you stumble upon a kid and they're like, we got to have him. And, um, you know, the development aspect and sharing the resources, something that I think desperately needed in the U.S. is access to more European style structure of yeah. of development yeah. for sure. So it's, yeah. it's a fantastic development. That, yeah, that's 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 what this is all about, too, as someone that, you know, has has a lot to do with youth soccer in America and has friends that do, too. I mean, that that's really going to be the difference maker in the U.S., whether it's solidarity payments and, and things like that, that MLS looks like they're going to finally start to honor, even if U.S. soccer won't. Yeah, it's the investment. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. we just need more people, more trained scouts, more trained, much like the smaller countries have enabled Iceland or Spain is incredible. If you look at how many coaches they have, it's kind of absurd uh, per capita. It really is the same way, but yeah, you know, it's just hard, you know, geographically. And there's a lot of challenges right. with America, but it, it is a positive step. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to at least, even if it's just from a marketing standpoint, I, I just want to see a couple, couple Everton kits, hopefully with some pretty sick Hummel designs hanging oh, in a sporting store somewhere, somewhere in America, please. please. All I want to see just sitting on a shelf where someone looks at that and says, that is so sick. And I'll tell you what, man, if they come up with some of the crazy designs that I've seen recently in some of the clubs, I mean, like the, the forward Madison one. I don't know. If you oh know my about God. That that's a, 
that's a beautiful kit. It's a bit it's, uh, it's the pink one. It's a bit jarring, but it's solid. Well, I mean, you're trying to stand out in a sea, exactly. you know, of clubs, and you know, you pick a smaller club, and that is striking, man. Yeah, dude, some of the ones like our Everton designs guy is the greatest. Oh, he, I'll tell him. you what, man, he's so good and and so terrific, man. Some of the humble stuff that he has spit out, I'm telling you, man, we'll I'll clean out that store. <laughs> same it it's like i'm waiting to just with like a bag of money just like take it take it please <laughs> I know. just let take me spend money. it i know i know i know i want to put it all over america i wanted to be at the beach this week with my humble kit showing everyone and be uh, like, yeah, what that, huh? be like, Who, we can dream all right rich charlie is that an english player like no he's brazilian is that <laughs> not a brazilian name? you wouldn't think oh, it boy. but yeah i think that's yeah. uh i think that's a good note to end on a little bit uplifting after we uh kind of sure ranted and raved a little bit throughout the 45 <laughs> minutes that this has gone on but it was a lot of fun recording ryan as 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 we do yes uh, a lot of fun recording as always thanks for taking time uh away from the beach to chat in i guess like a basement or something is probably which where you're located right now i'm i'm packed in a corner in a bedroom at this point so <laughs> okay it's not, right. i'm not very comfortable. my back's gonna go after this but no the pleasure is always mine i love coming on with you guys and you know, happy to try and provide, a, you know, a different angle on things as only we can do as Americans for, for better or worse. You know, that's kind of what you got to take the good and the bad in America, man. That's how it is. Of course. And, and thanks to everyone who has listened. Appreciate you. Give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at USA Toffee Pod. Let us know what you think of the show. Join our Discord, all that good stuff. Otherwise, until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.